True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we're so happy to be back with you. Thanks for joining us today. Today we are going to talk about several cases because they all have one thing in common and that's that the perpetrator is caught on video yet these cases remain unsolved it's such a mystery whenever you have a uh, surveillance footage and then you can see the person but you can't identify them that's so it's frustrating you know it's really really incredible because when you first find out that there is video of the perpetrator you're just kind of like oh okay that's yeah, gonna get solved. this one's gonna be done here in a week or a couple days you know yeah so anyway did we have some announcements or things to talk about before we get started yes we do okay so most of you know this but um the ones that don't, we are going to do a legacy tree program. So apparently the city of Midlothian Parks and Recreation Department, they offer um, different giving opportunities for individuals, uh, people who want to do things for their loved ones who have, have passed on. Um, so they have uh, several different programs. One of them is called the Legacy Tree Program. And what it is is you plant a tree in honor of a loved one or organization to help increase um, the foliage canopy at area parks and different things like that while at the same time um, honoring your loved one. So we decided that we wanted to do this for Missy. So um, a lot of our listeners were so gracious, came forward, donated money to pay for it. And then once it's paid for, the Parks and Recreation Department will take care of it from here on out. They take care of the irrigation, um, making sure that it's healthy and, and everything. So that never has to be um, an issue once we've paid for the tree. So we're going to do this on April 18th. And we're going to do it at 6.30 p.m. So anybody that wants to meet there, they can just show up. Um, and then we will... Um, oh, is it 6.30? Yeah, 6.30. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, we, ha- we were going to do it earlier, but most of the people could only do it after work. And I felt like the majority of people yeah, that's cool. wanted to come. So we, we decided to do it at 6.30 because that way we still have lots of daylight left. Um, and then also we're going to be doing um, shirts for anybody. It's not required, of course, but anybody who wants to buy a shirt. Uh, one of our listeners, Crystal King, is um, taking care of those shirts and uh, making them for us. <laughs> I jumped and you said Crystal's uh, like, oh my gosh, you're like, I forgot not, to do the shirts. I'm not doing I don't the remember this. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I scared her. It's so funny. <laughs> it's funny because we have so many Cynthia's. Uh, the other day, somebody was asking about paying for a shirt and she said, what does her name come up as? And I said, I said, Cynthia, and I confused her, but it's Crystal King. Um, She's doing the shirt. She has a a business, and she does that on the side. So anyway, so we're excited about the Legacy Tree Program. Uh, We also have a brick because we had extra donations, and they agreed to do the brick, which they there's like a house there in uh, Midlothian. I think it came from somewhere just outside of Midlothian, but it was built in the 1800s, and so they transferred it to downtown Midlothian, and it's surrounded by all these bricks, and then 
then they just remove it, engrave it, and put it back. So it's pretty cool. They have a lot of different. I have some pictures too, but of course, we're going to video the uh, tree being planted. Um, We're going to video the brick, and then for people that can't make it, We'll, we'll show it to y'all. That's so awesome that you got that going. That was yeah. such a good idea, too. I, love it. I just it's come so cool. into the studio and say stuff, and Renee is the one that's out there, like in the streets working. Well, so, she's over here kicking butt with the real estate uh, oh world. Oh my gosh. She's or getting so my busy. butt kicked. It depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. So you stay super busy with that. So that's I have so a, cool that you did this for Missy. A little, more, a little more free time than you do. Not a lot, but I do have some. So. Well, and a huge thank you for our listeners and followers on social media who came together and donated enough, not just for the tree but like you said mm-hmm. we had excess funds so we put that into the brick yeah super cool i can't really wait to amazing. see it it's yeah. gonna be awesome. we're gonna do a i meant to mention this too we're gonna do it's gonna be in middle ocean and the tree is gonna be a red oak tree which i thought was cool because missy lived in red oak and mm-hmm. she died in middle ocean so i think it's kind of yeah. you know cool that's like that. perfect but anyway god bless her and this is just such a cool thing to do um and thanks again renee for your tireless oh, efforts absolutely um okay so today's episode oh i guess we have to break for the ad whoops i was ready to launch into the show sorry y'all um all right break time. so break time we'll be back in just a minute welcome back to true crime broads we are here to start our next episode which is going to be on three separate cases where there is surveillance video of the perpetrator in a murder yet to this day that murder remains at large yeah it's very frustrating that you have uh, surveillance footage and you don't know who the killer is so we're going to start off with um elizabeth barraza who went by liz she was killed on january 26 2019 in a suburb of houston in tomball texas um she was setting up for a garage sale. Her and her husband um, had plans on going to, uh, they had a vacation planned. And in order to have extra money for this uh, vacation, which had some stuff to do with her um, things that she volunteered for, they wanted to do a garage sale to have extra money. So they decided to do a garage sale. So on Thursday, January 25th, 2019, her and her husband um, discussed the garage sale setup. Um, that was going to be for Friday and Saturday. So they decided to get that situated on Friday. On 24th. I'm sorry, 25th. Okay, Okay. so on the 26th on Saturday, she did. 24th, and then murder was on the 25th. It says, I have 26, see? And that was from the website, the actual website. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. That's I, all the stuff I looked at said that they... Okay, so Thursday was the 24th, Friday was the 25th, and Saturday was the 26th. I don't know. Okay, so I don't know why I have conflicting... Sorry, sorry. No worries. All. It just... I have the murder down as the 25th. Okay, so... My apologies. No worries. <laughs> we get information from different places, and I tried to get it from the website. But anyway, okay, so on Friday the 25th, she was setting up her yard sale to get started, and it was early in the morning. And I do have the timeline here that started at 6.08. She drove to a local Starbucks to get coffee. 6.16, she arrived back home to get started get, getting set up for her garage sale. Uh, between 6.17 and 6.47, Liz and Sergio. Sergio started arranging for the outside items on the driveway. At 647, um, a black Nissan Frontier arrives and pulls into the neighborhood Princeton Place Drive from Kukendall Road and then drives into the Goddard School parking lot, which I'm assuming that's like right down the street. 
Um, 648, the black Nissan Frontier leaves the Goddard School parking lot to conceal on a different street. Uh, 648, Sergio leaves the property to go to work in a white panel van. Uh, 651, the Nissan Frontier comes back into view, heads toward the Barraza home. 652, the murderer does a three-point turn on Cedar Walk, parks behind Liz's car, exits, and starts walking towards the driveway where Liz is still setting up. 652, Liz says good morning, and then the murderer speaks to her for about six seconds. Uh, There are three quick shots, and then a fourth shot delivered point-blank once Liz has collapsed to the driveway. Watch me be wrong about the dates, but I swear everything I read said the 25th. But anyway, that doesn't matter because this is um, about Liz Barraza and this heinous crime. And if and this is really incredible. But when I was doing some quick research on this, we're going to do a deeper dive of this case later on. Mm-hmm. But I did some quick research, and I know you did too. And Lord and Arts, who we love, mm-hmm. his, if you haven't watched Lord and Arts' YouTube channel, it's run by John Lorden. He hosts his own show on there. He's fantastic. We met him at CrimeCon mm-hmm. a year before last. Super nice guy. And recorded with him not long ago. Oh, yeah, we mm-hmm. recorded with him. And um, he's just a great person and has a great show there. So if you haven't checked him out, go check out his channel on YouTube. But the point of me bringing him up is on his channel, on Lord and Arts, it's L-O-R-D-A-N-A-R-T-S, Lord and Arts. And he actually has the shooting video on his YouTube. And it's amazing because poor Liz is standing there and she gets approached by this person that just walks straight up her driveway very deliberately. And you can see her taking a protective step back, you know, like you'll do Mm -hmm. sometimes when you feel Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, bless her heart. And then, like you just said, she gets gunned down right in front of her house in her driveway. It's unbelievable that anyone would do this to anyone. And what did you think about the person? We haven't discussed this yet. I thought the person kind of looked like a woman the way they moved. I do too. And it feels, and I looked online because I have seen this video before. I remember when it happened. I heard about it, saw it on the news. But I remember the um, what they were wearing being very odd. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up and there's really not a description of what they're wearing. But I feel like, and I don't know if you do, I feel like they're wearing a dress because you can yeah. see it flowing back and forth. Well, and a lot of podcasters and uh, news articles have described it as a costume, which is yeah, very exactly. interesting mm-hmm. because Liz and her husband Sergio were really into cosplay. Mm-hmm. They she is a self-proclaimed uh, Star Wars and Harry Potter nerd. Uh-huh. She used to call herself yeah, a nerd. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she was really into that stuff, which a lot of people are, which is so awesome. It's It, it really even makes me sadder to hear more about her as a person because everyone said she's so sweet, mm-hmm. just a fantastic person, really an upstanding individual. And she and her husband, this reminded me kind of of us, they met at CrimeCon. Um oh. I'm sorry, excuse me, at Comic-Con, Comic-Con, why can't I talk today? I can't either, don't worry. Good night. <laughs> so anyway, they met at Comic-Con, which I thought was so sweet. That's like if you and I were single and we met a guy at Crime-Con, like yeah. that would be so cute and perfect. Right. So they just seemed like the perfect couple and they weren't, you know, police dug into all their stuff. They weren't having problems. It's just such a mystery. But my point of that is this person looked like they might have been cosplaying that shot her mm-hmm. and the person's on the shorter side right mm-hmm. and sergio's um whereabouts were accounted for he was actually at work he worked construction he left before right before that happened mm-hmm. and so he kissed her goodbye and said i love you that was the way they told the story and it's just hard to believe that anyone would do this and they del- i have even heard reports where people have said 
they're starting to wonder if it was a like they got the wrong person and it mm-hmm. was a hit, mm-hmm. but they shot the wrong person. Right. But because you, that's but, how bad they are confused because they just looked into her background. There's nothing to suggest that she was into anything illegal. She didn't have any beefs with anyone and her husband. And, and they went through both their phones. Husband cooperated immediately, gave over everything that, that morning. And they dug through their phones and there was just normal stuff. There was not even any signs of them having trouble with each other. Right. Neither one of them was cheating that they could find. Mm-hmm. Very strange. It is very strange. Um, one of the things that I thought was interesting about this case um, is about the, um, she was very involved with the Peter, well, because of the Harry Potter, um, the Peter Mayhew Foundation, uh, she was a cherished volunteer for that foundation. And while she helped it with a fundraiser to help feed the starving children in Venezuela, she came upon a setup that was nowhere near ready. She moved heaven and earth to make things perfect in time to kick off the fundraiser. And thanks to her tireless efforts, the fundraiser was a huge success. That's another example. Well, well, Peter Mayhew actually was from her Star Wars connection. He played Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah. In Star yeah, Wars. And right. and Peter Mayhew um, actually came forward and raised the um, reward mm-hmm. early on. It was five thousand at first from Crime Stoppers mm-hmm. of Houston. And then they raised it to he p- added fifteen to it, so it was twenty thousand for a while. I believe at this point in time it's up to fifty thousand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um yeah, Peter Mayhew was so nice. And you're right, she had apparently worked on what the charity that you just described right. and that was the connection. So it's really, really sad. And you know, Liz Braz was only 29 years old. This happened in Tumball, Texas, which is a small town. I think it's around 15,000 people. And it's outside of Houston. It's a suburb of Houston. And it, so the Harris County police have been working this case. Um, we don't know where it stands now, but um, we kind of heard some hints recently that they might have some new information but i haven't heard any details of you no i haven't heard any well we're gonna di- we're gonna definitely dive deeper into this case and we have um, we're not going to say who it is yet but we have a guest pending possibly going to come on and we decided to go ahead and just add this to this episode and if we get that guest on fantastic we will do a deeper dive and even if we don't we'll still do a deeper dive right um wallace wyatt jr is the current lead detective on the case um and with Liz's parents, with the support of the detective, this is interesting. With the, the support of Detective Wallace Wyatt Jr., Andy Kayen of Crime Stoppers of Houston, and the district attorney, Kim Og, they conducted a GoFundMe campaign, and that's how the reward was raised to $50,000. Or they raised 30000 which made it to $50,000 um, on the third anniversary of her murder, January 25th, 2022. So the current reward stands at 50000 and this was announced at a press conference on January 25th, 2022. Uh, what I found interesting about that is that so many people came together. This is a small suburb outside of Houston, and not only was the Houston Police Department involved in this, but the district attorney was involved in doing this as well. And I thought that was very interesting. You don't hear of that often, and I wish more communities would come together like that, including all these people to do things like this. Instead, it's outside people. Amazing. Yeah. And the family, of course, they have been very integral in this case because they have have a website. It's... um, 
Oh, I wrote it down. Where did I write it down at? Find who? Hang on. I don't want to say it. Yeah, I was on there earlier this morning, too. (laughs) I wrote it down. Where did I write it down at? It used to be RememberingLiz.com. I have one called Who Killed Liz Liz Braza. Braza. Yeah, Yeah. it used to be called RememberingLiz.com, but if you type that in, it actually switches over to WhoKilledLizBraza.com. Yeah, it's pretty easy to find. Yeah, and um, Yeah, so we're going to come back to this case and do an actual full episode on it, but that was just our initial survey on it just to tie it into these cases where there is surveillance video and you know in addition to the horrible video of the perpetrator walking straight up to her and shooting her four times they also later released the ring doorbell footage from the Barraza's house and Mm -hmm. while it didn't add anything you don't see the shooter on there because of the angle, but it does show that black truck going by. And you know what's interesting? I didn't know this till this morning is apparently they had filmed that truck going by the day before on January 24th. Mm-hmm. And so apparently whoever killed her was staking the place out. It wasn't a whim, apparently. So it'll be interesting to see if this is solved. It sounds very solvable, and we hope and pray that that happens for the Barraza family. Absolutely. And another interesting And for thing, Liz's family, of course. Right. Another thing that's interesting, and I just found this out this morning as well, um, they have a um, an episode on the Liz Barraza case on Tubi Channel. Um, it's on Crime Door TV, Susan, season one. Can't, today is not the day for talking. Season one, episode 43. And mm-hmm. I haven't got to watch it yet, but I would like to. Who produced that? Uh, it's from on the Tubi channel from Crime Tor- Crime Door TV. Oh, there's tons of ep- uh, there's tons of episodes on this case too. If you yeah. have YouTube, there are. Um, Kendall Ray did a good one. Um, John Lorden has covered it really well, and um, the apparently the family the dad was announcing that he's used tiktok and stuff in the past couple years to get to get attention to the case so okay so we're going to move on um we have another baffling case this one is ironically from the same dates in except it's january of 2006 that is wild it is and so um it's just it was january 23rd and her name is jennifer kessie she is a 24-year-old single woman who disappeared, completely vanished from her condo complex. And apparently this is one of those complexes that was being flipped. Apparently it used to be an apartment complex and they were fixing them up and selling them as condos, mm-hmm. from what I understand. We will right. go deeper into this case as well later. And Jennifer Kessie, by all accounts, was a super responsible person. She was the type of person that... If she was going to be late, even if it was just five minutes late, she would call you and say, hey, I'm going to be five minutes late. And she would do that at work if she was running late for a meeting. So when Jennifer Kessie did not show up for a meeting on January 23rd, 2006, everyone immediately, the bells and whistles went off. She had spoken to her boyfriend the night before, and they had just gotten back from a vacation. She actually went from... uh, his house that morning to work and then that night she was going home for the first time and she had her suitcase was still unpacked um when they went and searched her place so she uh the reason we're bringing her up on this particular episode is because there is some surveillance video of who they think abducted her and then there's also some footage of someone getting out of her car that they deserted in an adjacent apartment complex, not the actual one she lived in, but very close by. And it appears to be male. What do you think, Renee? 
Yeah, I feel, kind of feel like it. It seems to be male. It, they they do seem on the shorter side and the mm-hmm. smaller side. They're kind of yeah. kind of small. Yeah, and a lot of people say it looks like the person is wearing painter's pants, and it would make sense because apparently there was a lot of workers that were in the area that were working on the condos at the time of her disappearance, mm-hmm. and. Um, she had actually expressed discomfort to her friends and family about some of the catcalling that was going on from some of the workers. And that's not super uncommon, um, especially if you're a young, pretty blonde girl. Um, you're probably going to call some attention to yourself. Not that being blonde matters, but you know what I mean? She was pretty. And um, so we're not saying that it was definitely one of the workers, but that is a theory that has definitely gotten a lot of attention in this case. And Jennifer Kessie, her parents have been extremely active in this case. The minute they heard that she did not show up at work that morning to the meeting, they jumped in their car and they drove two hours to Orlando, which is where this took place, to to find out what's going on. That's the type of person Jennifer was. They knew she's never out of touch. Right. Her phone was going straight to voicemail. The Her boyfriend was freaking out because that's not normal. Her family definitely freaked out. Her brother, her parents, they knew something was wrong. So they drove in, and that's when the investigation began. And I'm very sad to say that here in 2023, this case is still not solved. Right. And her parents um, ended up suing the police department for her records. Orlando PD. Yeah, they wouldn't... um, I guess it was just kind of sitting there and nothing was happening and they were frustrated with that. And it's kind of interesting that they were able to uh, file a suit against them and they actually won. So they, they actually hold the records for this case um, and they have an investigator that is working on it and, and so forth. Um, very interesting, but another case where the family is very involved with the case um, and they have uh, a lot of different news stories on it. I've heard a lot of podcasts on it. So that's, that's really a plus. It is. And we really feel for Jennifer Kessie's family. We're hoping to have a guest from this close to the case when we do cover this in more detail. Right. So this is sort of a survey of these cases. We definitely plan to do full episodes on them at some point soon. And yeah, Jennifer Kessie, I remember when it happened. I followed this from the very beginning. And I, it's just as baffling today, if not more so than it was back then. I mean, who did this? Who could it be? And nobody and, has ever stumbled upon her body or anything. She's oh, just gone. Exactly. Yeah, they've done searches, massive searches. They brought in the guys from Texas to search. I mean, it, they have. It's not for lack of effort. Um, yeah, she is just nowhere to be found. And you know, there was speculation on. Could she have been a victim of human trafficking? But she doesn't really fit the profile because people say she was athletic build. She was very independent. She's wouldn't be easily manipulated. Of course, if you have a gun to your head or if someone puts chloroform over your face and drugs you or whatever, that would change that. But I'm just saying that most people think that she really, most people close to the case from what I have heard and read, don't think that's what happened, that it wasn't human trafficking, but who knows? Um, Her boyfriend apparently is still to this day very close to her family, even though he's married to someone else by now. This has been so long. Um, But they still are very close to him, so apparently no one's ever really suspected that he had anything to do with this, and he was physically too far away to have been involved anyway. Um, So yeah, it's a huge mystery, and um, we're hoping that the Jennifer Kessie case will break at some point 
Because I've been watching this off and on since it happened, since it first hit the news. Is there a specific place to find the video footage? I know I've looked at it before, but for our listeners, if they want to Oh, yeah. And I wanted to talk about it. I just found it by Googling Jennifer Kessie video, and then you'll get mm-hmm. lots Tons of choices. Of yeah. Lots of choices. I couldn't even remember now where I watched it, but I've seen it so many times at this mm-hmm. point. And it was on all the shows. I don't remember if it was Dateline or what. I mean, it was on all the shows back when it happened. Mm-hmm. And periodically, you'll see more on it. Updates. Um But what's so weird about the surveillance video in this case is you have, apparently it skips around or something because every time the, the, who they think is the perpetrator, his face is hidden by a bar in the gate. It's a, it's an open slat iron gate that the perpetrator's walking by when on camera and just every frame his face just happens to and be we're behind talking it. what two inch bars yeah these are not fixed bars yeah. and there's way more room for the face to be shown between the bars than the bar but for whatever reason the face is obscured every single time i watched it and i was in shock because i thought no there's got to be at least a you know, a half second where the face is between because the space between the bars is mm-hmm. way bigger than the mm-hmm. tiny two inch bars. I mean, so we're weird. talking what, seven, eight inches, five at least. Five, and, six. and then when you look at the footage of the person that parked her car and got out, that is so grainy and that you can't really make much out there at all. And I don't know what kind of technology exists now that may not have back then. Hopefully they can zoom in and see something, but apparently not because this person's still at large. There has been talk uh, over the years about how there was a lot of undocumented workers there at the time. So they weren't able to question friends and family of those people because they're not traceable. So um, we don't know if it was someone that worked at the complex that had made her uncomfortable before. We don't know if this is someone completely unrelated to the complex that came there to harm her or abduct her. Um, The hope would be that she's still alive somewhere, but as communicative as she was, I guess that's probably doubtful that she is still alive right but exactly that's that would be the hope long, 17 years i mean yeah i would that's that would a be long amazing time that would be the most amazing thing i know that somebody spoke about a um a potential uh, suspect in the case and i won't mention it because i don't know where it stands now but i don't know who it was that brought that person to light do you Mm-mm. okay no and when we do our deep dive we'll get yeah, into we'll that. be able to get into yeah. that yeah and i'm really hoping that we can get a guest on if you are listening to this podcast and you know anything about the jennifer kessie family or case or friends please have them contact true crime broads they can find us on instagram or on facebook and they can just message us through our page we would love to talk to someone and have them on the show to help shed some light we always want to tell these stories from the point of view preferably of the family because that's um obviously who's affected the most and that's the people that we care about the most mm-hmm. when these cases are happening if, if friends are close if close friends or family preferably family not to mention we always want to make sure that we get the correct information because we get it from so many different places like earlier when i said the wrong date of course i could have did that on my own i don't know i thought i wrote it down but that happens because you get it from different places and you get two different stories just in one little thing so that always helps to have family they can you know they can definitely set us straight on whatever absolutely and so the third and final case we wanted to bring up on this special episode about the killers being on surveillance and not the the case not being solved is the Missy Beavers case. Now, some of you who listen to us regularly are saying, are you seriously about to tell us about this case? Cause we have done many, many episodes over the years on this case, but we know that sometimes we have new listeners and this episode might bring quite a few new listeners. So we want to tell you about the Missy Beavers case. Missy Beavers 
was killed in 2016. The seven-year anniversary is coming up quickly. Renee talked about that at the top of the show. And her killer was caught on surveillance, not just a little bit, but (laughs) a a long time sort of moseying around the church that she was killed in. You know, there's two minutes and 20 seconds uh, of uh, surveillance footage that you can watch. But when this first happened, police released eight seconds. And, you know, you see that eight seconds and it felt like a lot, you know, eight seconds of somebody, you know, moving around in the church. And then they released another, I don't remember, 20 something seconds. And then the third and final uh, release of surveillance footage was the two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, And of course, we know that the perpetrator um, from the timestamp that they did release in the beginning was at 3.58 a.m. So, and Missy shows up at 4.16, 4.18, something like that, 4.20. Um, so we know that they're in there for at least uh, 16, 17, 18 18 minutes or so, almost 20 minutes, uh, walking around the church. So we have two minutes and 20 seconds, enough that you can see quite a bit of their walk. You can see kind of how they compare to different um, items in the church, like the, um, uh, what is the one that we compared it to? The door handles and the- And the Dutch door. I mean, not fire hydrant, but the- The Dutch door, like where the the half door that opens Yeah, you can kind of see like where they fall in range of like their height and their hips and things like that. Uh, You can see their stance. You can see how they, whenever they're tapping on that um, door with the hammer and the crowbar. So you get to see a lot of different movements and actions. You don't really see a lot of- um, you know, you can't really see anything. You can kind of tell they're Caucasian. That's about it. Right. And, and you know, one thing that these three cases that we just brought up have in common is that the perpetrator, um, it's not 100% clear if it's male or female, even though they're on video. And right. another thing is they're on the shorter side if it's a male. Yeah. Because um, I don't think we mentioned this when we were talking about the first case, Liz Braza, but they said that the person on the video, you know, if you compare it to Liz Braza, who's only 5'2", this person can't be that tall mm-hmm. in comparison. So these would all be probably average to tall for women, but short for males. Yep. And the the gender's not determined. Um, you know, back to the Liz Braza thing, I don't mean to jump around, but they also think that maybe that person could have been wearing a wig or they have long hair mm-hmm. it's very strange very odd i mean i i mean the missy beavers case obviously having that person um i don't know if we've mentioned it yet on this episode but the person was dressed in police tactical gear and they're covered from head to toe they appear to be wearing shoes or boots that are too large for them which is probably affecting their gait a lot was made of the gait in the missy beavers case early on mm-hmm. you remember that mm-hmm. they're like watch for people who walk this way They even had Brandon Beavers, the victim's husband on TV, imploring people to maybe think about people you know around here who walk that way. But as time wears on, we're realizing that, Renee, you've said it so many times and said it well, that when you've put on your husband's boots, you walk all crazy just exactly like that with your foot sticking out, just like the perpetrator is. So it's very possible that Missy Beavers' perpetrator is a woman wearing a man's shoes, and that is making the gait weird. And maybe her everyday gait isn't like the in the video. Right. I know mine is completely different. And, you know, um, you mentioned the the Liz Barraza case. Um, I kind of feel like the way the person carries themselves, they're dressed like a woman, but I think it might actually be a man. I mean, it just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. kind of the way their walk is, their their stride is really uh, long. long, Mm -hmm. And it just feels or looks 
like it's a man walking around and it's weird because like you said it looks like they have a wig because their hair is kind of moving around Mm -hmm. and they it looks like they have a dress on but it reminds me of um when you would see a, a man put on a dress, like in a movie or a yeah. show or something, it yeah. kind of, you know, that's that kind of that awkward. Feel. Yeah, and, and and like I was saying, I've seen several reports that speculated it was a costume, and then that kind of got my wheels turning about how they were into cosplay. Right. And obviously it's not it's not Sergio in that video, but it might have been someone that they knew from that world. But who would want to harm her? By all accounts, her? nobody was the out to get her in any way, shape, or form. Right. They went through all her communications and came up with nothing. So it's very That's strange. Very weird. But what about that theory that maybe someone else wanted to kill her? And I mean, some they wanted to kill someone else, the hitman, mm-hmm. and they yeah. accidentally went up to her driveway. That's quite a blunder. But you know, the six seconds always makes me wonder if the person said Liz. You know, because yeah, if somebody walked up to is. me and said Renee, I'd go, "Yeah, can I help you?" Like, yeah, just to confirm you, they or, had the right person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just a bizarre case. Because they definitely said something. I know we've said this countless times, the Missy Beavers case, but I sincerely hope that police know more than what you know the public does on this case. Yeah, because Missy Beavers case is very unusual, and then it has a lot more footage than typical surveillance footage you know most of them you see is you know a few minutes maybe if they're breaking in like there was that one guy that broke into that church and he was rummaging around they probably have more on that one but these other cases it's a very uh small amount of uh, footage for them to look at and missy beavers they have a lot and i I tell you what's really horrible is that they um have liz braza's murder right there on camera it's just it's clear as a bell what's happening yes and how many shots you can hear them and you see her Mm -hmm. go down and I'm hoping that they've been able to enhance it to hopefully hear some of the conversation between the killer and her. Mm-hmm. We need to do some more research on that. And then in the Missy Beavers case, it's the opposite. We have the perp on camera a ton before the murder, but the actual Nothing. murder is not on camera. Right. And the reason I think police are telling the truth, of course, police don't have to tell the public the truth. If it's to the good of the investigation, they don't have to say a word. But the reason I think they're telling the truth about it not being on camera, well, it's because we've heard that from people who know, but also is because in search warrants, they said that and if you lie in a search warrant then all the evidence gets thrown out so we've just kind of concluded that that's probably true Mm -hmm. that it's not caught on camera in the missy beavers case i do wish they would release more footage though or or release something else um anything else the investigator told me told us they would not (laughs) i know (laughs) and that's discouraging because (laughs) just a wish (laughs) i just i know other you know other cases i mean uh delphi for instance they released more stuff and tips started coming in and you want to get more tips because the police said it so themselves this case will be solved with the help of the public so you're talking about missy beavers yeah yeah so why would they not want to do that that's my question Oh, no. <laughs> I don't, I don't, <laughs> don't ask me. There. That must have been a rhetorical question. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know. Anybody else know? Let us know. Yeah. So we, we get that not all tips are golden tips, but that one little golden nugget might be in there. And we're hoping that all three of these cases get the tip that they need to solve it. Right. Absolutely. Um, I think that's all we have. Well, thank you so much for joining us on True Crime Broads. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you're out there and you have tips on the Liz Braza case out of Tumball, Texas, Jennifer Kessie out of Orlando, Florida, or Missy Beavers out of Midlothian, Texas, please contact local authorities. Have a great day. This episode is brought to you by Page 2 Inspection Services, LLC. Specializing in foundation inspection reporting, commercial, residential, and home or mixed-use properties. They handle prompt reporting and services at the most competitive price in the structural engineering field.
PAL Engineering Services also specializes in structure, structure reporting, and mechanical engineering in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, and throughout the state of Texas. They do structural inspection, track full home inspection and evaluation, foundation inspection and repair plan, modular home inspection, pest inspection, mechanical and electrical inspections, drainage plans, and retaining walls. Be sure and check them out at uh, www.page2inspections.com or www.palengineeringinc.com. The phone number to reach them at is 972-268-4140. Thank you for supporting True Crime Broads. Yes. Yeah.